Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where wait, am I doing Crescent at the start? Does one come to mind? Okay, sure. John, have you ever won an award for anything? I think I won best attendance or something. No, that's not true. I well, definitely didn't win best attendance. That is nerdy. That, that is a lie. That's not true. I won some rubbishy makeup award in school where you know the ones in primary makeup. school. Oh, made up. Not not makeup as in well, obviously, I mean look at me. <laughs> His face is beat. You know when you're in primary school and everyone gets like star of the week and every week somebody gets it and everyone has mm-hmm. to get it at some point. So I'm sure I got something. It was probably something like, it wouldn't have been best attendance. I wasn't very good at attending. It can't have been best handwriting. My handwriting was atrocious. I don't know, effervescence. Oh, oh, actually, in the school yearbook, um, at the end of high school, actually, mm-hmm. I won Most Likely to be Gay, mm-hmm. which... Were, were you not already? No, I'd, I'd come out at that point. That's why it was okay. okay. <laughs> so that wasn't really a prediction so much as a statement of fact. Mm-hmm. And um, Most Likely to Become the New Stephen Fry, which was... Yeah, there's still time. There's still time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're lucky. Yeah. My end of high school awards were most likely to become an entrepreneur. Well, you are now a self-employed digital marketing whiz, so... I am. You need a website, you need a logo. I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. hcdigital.co.uk. Um, the other award I, I was given was most likely to change. To change? Yeah. What, physically, like emotionally? Personality. Personality-wise. Do you think you have? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Well, everyone changes. I distance myself from everybody, so yeah. Brilliant. Mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we normally pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry and joining me this week is John. Just this week? Just this week. I always get nervous when you say it like that. <laughs> you're very insecure in my position. <laughs> I did it intentionally. Yeah, and so, uh, well, as the title says, this week we're going to be ranking the Oscar movies of 2018, the 90th Academy Awards. Yeah, this is always fun. We did this last year as well, very mm-hmm. early into our run, but I think we hadn't actually gone live yet, so it all went out after the show had been broadcast. So this is our first year, I think, getting out there on time. Yes. And we're hoping to make it a tradition. We both love the Oscars, and this is always fun. So, yeah. Should we just jump right into it? Sure. Do you want to start with your number nine? We're going to rank them from nine to one. Mm-hmm. We've each individually ranked them. So we're going to compare notes on where they sit in each of our rankings. So, Okay, my number nine is easily The Darkest Hour. Okay, interesting. We haven't really discussed this one yet. No. Tell me more. Well, it was just boring. Mm. The whole thing was boring. It was very dark. It was like <laughs> visually dark. It was very shadowy, yeah. To the extent that sometimes I struggled to see what was going on. Mm. Like, there's cases where having a dark shot can be used very artfully and quite well. Like, The Shape of Water did it in a few shots and it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. This one, no, just just wasn't there for it. They took that title very literally, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> it was quite literally the darkest hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, thank God it was short. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nah, I wasn't, wasn't really there for it. No, I mean, we'll discuss this at length when we do our, yeah, when we do extended, our, review our extended review of this. But yeah, suffice to say, I think it's really interesting that this came out the same year as Dunkirk. Yeah, it is. Because uh, it's such a companion piece. Well, uh, it, this is definitely going to be material for my other podcast, Two Geeks, Two Movies, where... Oh, you're going to compare the two? Oh, we have to. Each, it, week, it, each week we always compare two movies and ideally... Well, no, always we pick movies that are similar in some way. Okay. And uh, ideally come out in the same year and this one is one of them I, I guess actually I don't know is Dunk sorry is Dark Star a 2017 film or a 2018 film technically I yeah. think it did come out like around Christmas or maybe just after so. okay sure so yeah yeah maybe because things like 
Armageddon, Deep Impact, same year. Sure. Ants and a Bug's Life, same year. And I have no idea how these things happened. Mm. Are you quite done plugging your other podcast that I'm not part of? Oh, I'm sorry. This is my number eight, so I broadly agree with you. There were parts of this film that I found really genuinely quite interesting and gripping. Like mm. the whole sense of, oh shit, we came so close to surrendering. Because like, I find World War II really fascinating. Mm. I really enjoyed all the backstage politics of this. Mm-hmm. Where it talked about how part of the British government were really close to negotiating peace, which would have been surrendering, which would have mm. probably ended with us being conquered or mm-hmm. something. And it, the fact that we came so close, all of that seems really tense and very exciting. Not exciting in the traditional sense, but kind of, I was compelled. And then the film, I would just feel like you'd get about 10 minutes of really interesting stuff and then it would just kind of wander. Yeah. It just kind of wander for 20 minutes and be like, oh, oh, my mind is wandering. And yeah, it just did, it didn't really grip me from start to finish. And there wasn't really anybody likeable and interesting in this film. Like the only interesting person was Churchill mm-hmm. and he wasn't likeable enough to enjoy his screen time. Yeah. And the only the only likable person was the assistant, mm-hmm. and she just wasn't interesting. There was no point to her at all. Um, again, I, we'll talk about this more on the mini, mini episode, but I really think that one way that I wish they could have made this film better, they should have combined the secretary with his wife. Mm. Because I understand why the secretary was there. I don't mm-hmm. think she's real, based on a real person or any one specific person. But I get that she's kind of the window into the more vulnerable Winston mm-hmm. Churchill. You see the human, not just the politician. Yeah. But... Every scene with her could have just been the wife. Mm. And I feel the wife was... Because it's Kristen's got Thomas and she was fabulous. And mm-hmm. she was quite funny and, you know, waspy in the way that she often is. So why could they not just have had him showing her, like, what's going on? Like, tell, she, she mm-hmm. could have been like, tell me the truth. How, how bad is it? Mm-hmm. You know, the scene where he goes, to, it takes her into the war room and shows her exactly what's going on with Dunkirk and Calais and stuff. Mm-hmm. She could have explained to him that he was doing the V-Sign the way around. That would have been really funny. Like, the wife telling him, you know, like, you yeah, know, she yeah. heard from the domestic... Some, some domestic staff told her she had to break it to him. Mm-hmm. It would have just been better rather than have two kind of underused female characters have one really good one mm. so Makes yeah sense. I thought that was that was the main thing I had with that but yeah I agree with you generally it compared very poorly to Dunkirk unfortunately because they told the same story but Dunkirk was so much more gripping yeah and it I mean it, in terms of the backdrop to Dunkirk I really do feel it was interesting to have them both but this definitely compared poorly of the two mm-hmm. and yeah I mean there was some good acting involved we'll get we'll talk we'll talk more about Gary Oldman when we get to our actor mm-hmm. rankings but on the whole yeah just a little bit dull nothing patriotic in fighting to the end. Now is the time to negotiate. When will the lesson be learned? You cannot reason with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. I take full responsibility. Really? Really, yes, sir. It is the reason I sit in this chair. My number nine is The Post. Okay, sure. Yeah. What's that for you? Seven. Seven, okay. Uh, so, I, I mean, there's nothing on this list that I despised. No, I mean, there's no Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, last year's number nine for us both. Yeah, exactly. There's the, Everything on this is a step above Hacksaw Ridge by mm. far. Nothing on this was bad. Every, everything on this list is professional, well-made, and mm-hmm. didn't leave a sour taste in my mouth particularly. We'll get to Call Me By Your Name later. But <laughs> that look, stop it. Uh, <laughs> But The Post is the one that made me think, okay, of all these films, what am I least likely to watch again? Yeah, I, I think that The Post is the top of my, I'm not going to watch this again. Hmm. It told a story that could have been really interesting, but I just wasn't particularly interested by it. Mm-hmm. It felt really on the nose and really Oscar Beatty mm-hmm. in a way that just kind of, I don't know, and I just didn't think anything, there was nothing that I could really hold on to think, you know, this saves it. I thought Meryl Streep was average like you know Meryl Streep's average is most other people's best day ever mm-hmm. but you know for her given that she is an Oscar nominee this year as well for best actress mm-hmm. I thought the character was really underwritten I don't think it really gave you enough of a sense of who she was yeah Tom Hanks was fine 
the supporting cast was fine. Mm-hmm. Like the most thing I noticed about this film was the wigs and the caftans, which mm-hmm. I always am looking out for. But that, that was my main takeaway. It says that the essential story just wasn't told in a particularly interesting way. Yeah. So yeah, that was my number nine, just because it, it just didn't leave me particularly thrilled. I remember us both walking out of the cinema and just kind of looking at each other and going, well, and that was another one. <laughs> I mean, it might be something that's just Britain for Americans. Maybe, um, yeah. Because it's not really a history that as British people we know that much mm-hmm. about. No. Or care that much about because it's it's not has it affected us in any way well, that I'm aware of. I would disagree slightly. I think you're right. It tells a very specifically American story, and I think we both said it time because we don't really know about Watergate and stuff, which is is our fault. But at the same time, it's not our culture. It's not all we're taught. Mm. But at the same by the same token, I think it does tell a potentially universal story about the importance of the freedom of the press oh, yeah, and the true, importance yeah. of you know ethics in journalism and all that kind of stuff. But it could have told that in a way that was universal and was, would have really gripped me. But I don't think it actually did a very good job of that. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This should have been an Aaron Sorkin film. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 100% agree. It needed that kind of like, this is what's happening. This is why it's happening. And yeah, the, a voiceover. It's not It's not for every film, but for this film, a voiceover would have helped. For, for me... Mm. And, and narration. Yeah, yeah, big time. Yeah, narration, sorry. Just, just, to, just to kind of contextualise it a little bit. Because mm-hmm. it did, it felt like it was very specific and it never gave me an entry point in which I could really care or feel like I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. So, yeah. So, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Oh, dear, I don't like hypothetical questions. Well, I don't think you're going to like the real one, either. Do you have the papers? Not yet. All right, so my number eight um, is Phantom Thread. Okay, cool. That is my number seven, so again, we're roughly in the same area. Yeah, again, just another boring one, really. It was just very slow and... I found it difficult to get on board with Danny Day-Lewis's acting, which I believe this film was for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found it difficult to get on board because he was just so soft-spoken through everything. Like There was mm. only maybe one scene where his voice got a higher volume than the, the, mm. the volume I'm talking right now, when sure. everything was just like this. And you, you could never even tell like what his accent was or anything. <laughs> I was at one point, my housemate said, is he Welsh? And I was like, um, as a Welsh person, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't sell it for me at all. Mm. I didn't really find the story that interesting until the very end, but, you know, for the first hour and a quarter, I just was bored. Fair enough. All, I will say about this one, I, I saw this in the cinema, as we discussed in our episode on this. I did watch this one in the cinema, and I did find it quite... It, it took some twists and turns that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like it was a kind of a mood piece. It was kind of, you could just let it wash over you a little bit. But then it did go in some little directions, which we won't spoil too much, but, you know, it starts off one thing, and it ends up as quite something else. Mm. And I appreciate that. I, I appreciate the film that, like, wrong foots me a little bit, and when you don't really know what the characters are really thinking inside. Oh, mm-hmm. That was quite interesting. And I thought the acting was good. I thought he was okay. I mean, he's Danny Lewis Again, it's like Meryl Streep. His okay is everyone else's best day. Yeah. But then you've got, I think, the, the two supporting actresses, Vicky Cripes and Leslie Manville, were really, really good. And there was some there was some, there was some really good scenes. But yeah, on the whole, it, yeah, it didn't tell a particularly gripping story. Mm. It definitely meandered a little bit. And as I mentioned on our episode as well, it didn't let me love the clothes. If it yeah. let me love the yeah. clothes, I would have ranked it a lot higher. But it wasn't, like, fabulous or special enough. Yeah, same. And it needed that. It needed that to become yeah. a lot better. You need to because sen- people were expecting that. Yeah, this guy is a tailor yeah. to show us some clothes. Yeah, you need to show us, give a sense of why it means so much to him mm. and why we should care. And it didn't ever really do that. So yeah, the best thing about this again was the acting, and especially there were a couple of little cameos that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed Julia Davies showing up mm-hmm. and and being Julia Davies. She always elevates anything. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the woman who played the American who passes out drunk about halfway through. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you probably didn't watch Frasier, did you? That was probably yeah. a bit early for you. But she used to be in Frasier as. B.B. Glazer, the evil agent, and I just, any time she shows up, I'm happy. But yeah, on the whole, 
I agree a little bit. Why is this being made? Mm-hmm. It's it's fine, but it, ex- it exists purely as being nominated for Oscars. And I don't think a lot of people are going to be talking about this film in like five years, ten years, etc. I agree. No, Alma, what are you doing? There's tea for you. Don't put the tray on the table, please. Just take it off. I didn't ask for tea. No, but... You take it out, please. Yes, I can take it out. It's a bit late now, isn't it? I'm taking it out. Yeah, but it's a bit late now, isn't it? But I'm taking it out. The tea is going out. The interruption is staying right here with me. So, okay, we both got the same bottom three. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, Darkest Hour discussed. The poster discussed. Where was the poster for you? Seven. Yeah. Seven, yeah. Oh, so we have discussed all three of the bottom three. Yeah, yeah so middle three. Go. Uh, my number six is Call Me By Your Name. Same. Ah, great. Cool. It was a little disappointing, I thought. It was slow through the majority. It was... No. It was slow through the first third or something. It, it, it didn't catch me there. There's the scene where he fucks a peach. <laughs> and then from then on, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Just because it had that one ridiculous moment that I feel the rest of the film is coasting on afterwards. And there were definitely uh, bits of the film, spe- specifically the end, like the conversation he has with his dad, I think. That was just absolutely lovely. Yeah. And I, I really liked it from there. But for me... My biggest problem with it was the age difference in their romance because, mm. well, like he's seventeen and the other one's thirty-one, and it just it, well, he, felt, he felt like a young seventeen as well. He did look like a young seventeen, and Army Hammer is not well. Army Hammer was I think the character was supposed to be like twenty-five, but Army Hammer is decidedly not twenty-five. Mm. He's older and he looks older. Yeah, he just can't pass. It doesn't help that he's like six foot seven or something. Yeah. He was just hugely miscast, and I agree. Mm. It never the, physically the dynamic never looked right. The chemistry wasn't there. That's my biggest problem with the film as well, is that it just... If the entire point of the film is about a relationship, the chemistry needs to really make you believe in them. Mm-hmm. And I think you could have had a 31-year-old and a 17-year-old and it, it have it work if you really believed that they loved each other. Mm-hmm. Or that they were really physically attracted to each other. Not even love, just that they were really so attracted to each other in that moment. But I just never did. Yeah. But things I did like, I mean, I thought it was great Italy porn. I thought it looked beautiful. It had kind of a real great sense of time and space. I love the soundtrack. The music is beautiful. There are some really individually beautiful scenes, but as a whole piece, it does meander a little bit. And yeah, I thought Army Hammer was actively quite poor in it. And yeah, <laughs> not even just miscast. There were times when he was genuinely a little bit wooden. Which he, he's definitely like. the reason why this film has been knocked down a couple notches on my definitely. list at least. Yeah, same, same, same. That and the fact that it continues to annoy me that they showed two fairly explicit heterosexual sex scenes mm-hmm. and as soon as he had a gay sex scene they panned away to a tree mm. which I really do find especially in this kind of film genuinely quite offensive is there anything you don't know I know nothing Oliver well, you seem to know more than anybody else around here well if you only knew how little I know about the things that matter what things that matter You know what things. Why are you telling me this? Because I thought you should know. Um, okay, should we get on to number five, which I reckon we've both picked Ladybird? No, Ladybird's high for me. That's my number three. Ah. Yeah. So what have you gone with? My number five is uh, Free Billboards. Sure. But let's talk about Ladybird first. since. Okay, well, it was really good fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it almost all the way through. Like, I could see that this probably isn't going to be a Best Picture winner. No. Just like how the main character, like, yeah, she's perhaps not going to achieve all the dreams that she's setting out. <laughs> when she's like, I wanna, it's a metaphor I, for the film. Yeah. When, when, when she's like, oh, I want to get into Harvard and, mm. and stuff like that. And the teacher's like, 
Well, you're kind of getting sort of C's. And, <laughs> you know, like you can you can do really well, but probably you know aim a little lower. Yeah. And uh, I feel like this film's done the same. Yeah. Um, not that it's aimed low, and obviously it's aimed really high and it's done really well, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a middling film of this nine. Sure. What do you think of uh, Social Ronan? Social Ronan in this? Well, I liked her before. I know you weren't that kid. I've really admired her for a while. Way back when she was in Atonement, when she was a child, that was her first Oscar nomination. I thought she was just fantastic. And since then, she's continued to impress me. Mm-hmm. I think she's really, really, really good. She, and she really grounded this film. Like Her performance felt so real and so relatable mm-hmm. that you really warmed to the, to the character, even when she was being somewhat exasperating. Because sometimes she is quite delusional about, you know, what her level of ability is and what, what she can achieve, etc. Yeah. And you know, if, if it was another actress who wasn't as good, you might just get really sick of that character because she's in every scene, it's her movie. But her performance really grounds it and makes it feel very real. And the relationship she has with the mother. I mean, again, the chemistry between the different characters in this film, because it's like Call Me By Your Name, it's a character film. It's not really a plot film. Every character in this has perfect chemistry. Her and the mum, mm-hmm. her and their two boyfriends, her and her best friend. Mm-hmm. They all feel like really real relationships, really lived in relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's just a perfectly cast film. There's nobody I think, oh, you're the weak link in this film. Yeah. Everyone is brilliant. And yeah, it was just a joy to watch. And it was a really nice 90 minutes. Fairly light. As you say, there's nothing really heavy happening here. And there's no big major issues apart from just general, you know, growing up and coming of age and stuff. But there's nothing really heavy happening. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, no one dies. You know, it's, it's just not that <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know. It's not rooted in some really significant moment in history. It's just a 90-minute little love song to being a teenager in those formative years and when you're kind of figuring out who you are and where you're going to be, etc. Mm. I just thought it was great. Yeah, it was a, it was a lovely lot of fun. Yeah. So I could, I could what, happily watch it again. Yeah, I absolutely will watch this again and I'm going to recommend this to many people. So that's mm. why I put it as high as number three. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Why can't I just make the eggs? Because you take too long, you make a big mess and I have to clean the whole thing up. Eggs aren't good for the environment anyways. What? You heard her. Eat quickly, please. Look at all these pictures. Every newspaper looks like USA Today. Shelly and I are trying to be vegan. That's the soy milk. You wear leather jackets. But they're vintage, so they don't support the industry. They aren't done. There's white stuff. You know how much you love Brambles? Pigs are smarter than him, even. I never thought Brambles was a genius, okay? Mom, the eggs are not done. Fine, make your own fucking eggs. I wanted to. You won't let me. Sister doesn't like me. I'm hungry. She does. There's a chance. Going to bed. Okay, so um, what was your number five? Uh, Three billboards. Three billboards. Where did you put that? So why did you put this below Ladybird? Because I feel like this is... It's a really, it's a really good film. It covers loads of topics, mm. which I found really interesting. It's got outstanding acting from everybody, and uh, a good few twists and turns that you don't see coming. Like it, the film surprises you. Well, where did you put it then? It sounds like you put it really high. Uh, number four. Number four. Oh, okay, after, after <laughs> was it, that was my number one. Like, <laughs> after all that, like. <laughs> This was the hardest one to rank for me. Mm-hmm. I could have made a case for putting this at number nine. I could have made a case for putting it at number one. Mm-hmm. Because I just was totally thrown by this film. It's trying to do so many different things. And some of it really works. And some of it, for me anyway, really didn't. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had whiplash after watching it. Because mm-hmm. as you say, it brings in... The tone is all over the place. There's parts that are so very serious. The central plot is about a young girl being raped and murdered. There's some really horrible things in this film. But then there's also parts that are super funny mm-hmm. not just that are funny though but that play as broad comedy like sometimes you can find funny you can find comedy and tragedy in real life which I think a lot of films do quite well and this is when I watched this I didn't watch this one view I watched it with one of our other friends and she came out and said that what the, she liked about it the best was that she felt like comedy and tragedy went hand in hand and she liked the fact that there were absurdly comic scenes and 
very sad scenes in one film, which I completely respect and appreciate. But for me, the comedy felt like it was sitcom comedy. It was mm. so heightened. It wasn't mm-hmm. like low-key real-life comedy. Like, you know, when you're at a funeral, then something stupid happens, and then everyone just has to laugh just to get it out. Yeah. This felt like, oh, here's here's Francis McDormand delivering this incredibly passionate emotional speech. Oh, and here's the police guy on headphones dancing to Chikatita while a police station burns down around him. You know mm. what I mean? It never felt like it was grounded in any kind of reality. And I just never, I could never really get a handle on it. Mm-hmm. But then I, I, by the same token, it whizzed by. It was really entertaining. The acting was great. I was never bored. There were parts that genuinely shocked me. It's the one that was the most unexpected. There were so many scenes I was like, what, this is happening now? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it really, enter- as entertainment, it entertained me thoroughly. Mm. But there were just, I just walked out of it. Was, and I don't want to talk too much about it now because I could talk for hours about this film. So uh, we'll talk more about this when we do our mini episode on it. But I had a lot of problems with it. I thought there were a lot of things that were done really badly, really heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. I thought some of the dialogue was god-awful. Some mm-hmm. was brilliant, but some was god-awful. Yeah. I feel like... I'll tell, this is one thing. I do feel like if this film was made with a different cast, this could be not just a, ba- a bad film, but one of the worst films ever made. <laughs> if you did not have that cast, if you had a less talented cast, mm-hmm. they really sell. Francis, do you really I think so? I really believe so. I, I'm not saying that the script is terrible, but I feel like... They got so lucky, or they did so well to cast it with actors who could really give gravitas that you could mm. sort of buy into the jump between the very serious and the very silly. Mm-hmm. That it, it worked, but if you had less talented actors, it, people, you, this film would be a mess. It'll be a because t- it is kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it confused me, it baffled me, but it entertained me. So I put it at five. All right. Any more thoughts you have on it at all? No, you, you seem to feel very strongly about that. Yeah, but that's not to say that you know. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I will say this before we move on. Mm-hmm. Everyone I know, apart from me, who's seen this film personally, I've, I've seen online reviews that have been all over the place, obviously, but personally, a lot of people I know have seen this film. Everyone has said they absolutely loved it. Best film of the year. Blown away by it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I might, the, the problem might be me. I might just not be processing it in the way in which it's intended. So mm, yeah. it's not to say that it's a badly made film. I just found it very confusing. And yeah. So that's my number five and your number four. Hey, fuckhead! What? Don't say what, Dixon, when she comes in calling you a fuckhead? And don't you Shut come up. in here... You get over here. No. You get over here. All right. What? Don't, Dixon! What? I'm... You do not allow a member of the public to call you a fuckhead in this station house. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking care of it in my own way, actually. Now, get out of my ass. Mrs. Hayes, have a seat. What is it I can do for you today? So, my number four is The Shape of Water. Okay. Where's that for you? Three. Three, so, okay. So why have you put that below Lady Bird? I just felt like Lady Bird, in terms of what it was trying to do, mm-hmm. like, and it's, it's, I really enjoyed both, so it's a very narrow, it's not a big gap between mm-hmm. the two. But I felt like Lady Bird was trying to be exactly what it was, and it didn't put a foot wrong. Even though it's not like a hugely, you know, exciting or important, you know, quote unquote important or, mm-hmm. or inventive film. You know, it's not, it's not reinventing the wheel. I felt like for the story it was telling, it got, it just nailed everything. There was nothing I would say would improve Lady Bird particularly. Mm-hmm. Whereas The Shape of Water, I thought was fantastic. I love Guillermo del Toro. I love his, the way he does visuals. I love the way he tells these kind of really dark fairy tales. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed this. So it's a very close. Like the, the top four of films I really, really loved this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All I would say is that there were just a few little niggly things with this more than I would say with Lady Bird and it, there were a few bits where it meandered a little bit whereas Lady Bird every scene I loved so that, they're the only things it's a tight tight race for and three but yeah I just ranked it a little bit lower just because I felt like it didn't quite hang together as well 
Well, Shape of Water for me, I thought was um, was brilliant. Like mm. I was considering putting this as number one. Okay, yeah. And I've now put it as number three. So mm. my top three are all quite close. There's a lot going on in that film. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And at some point, we're definitely going to do it on this on this podcast. I can't wait to do it. Well, as in to do it as a, to make a sequel to it. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, we're, again, we're going to do it on our Patreon thing this week. But uh, yeah, yeah, of course. There's just so much to say about this film. Mm. Uh, I'll have to save it for the for the main review that we do. Um, oh, I don't know. It was great. If you're not <laughs> if you've not seen it, go and watch it. I would we, absolutely say it's go one. Watch it. It's one that we saw in the cinema, and it's a definite cinematic experience. It's mm. worth watching. Yeah. We. I mean, I really wanted to catch this cinema because. Guillermo del Toro is such a visual director in it. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to, to see it on the big screen and that, yeah, it, it looked fabulous. It looked really beautiful. And like, there's not loads of, compared to Pan's Labyrinth, which is set in a fantasy world for a lot of it and has a lot more visually arresting stuff like fairies and monsters and stuff. I mean, there's one monster in this, but it's kind of mostly set in like a lab for most, most films are mm-hmm. in a lab or in a, or in a flat. There's not loads of magical stuff happening, but it just looked beautiful. Mm. And yeah, I just really, I think I just really like what he does. I liked, I thought Sally Hawkins, we'll get to her, but I thought she was fantastic like mm, considering she was. she was mute for 99.9% of the film what she was able to portray you were really with that character you believed everything she said mm-hmm. I guess if I was to make a critique I would say that it, parts of it felt like they didn't really it felt like an, a collection of individually beautiful scenes I, I didn't know if the whole story hung together quite as well as it could have done there were a few little things here and there no I, th- I think I think I disagree mm-hmm. um, unless you can break me on this as you have done on many other films. Well, no, I don't want to break you. I think uh, it's good to disagree on things. Like... No, I, I thought this film didn't really take a step wrong. No? Okay. I felt like a lot of it was so much from her perspective that I didn't quite buy into the falling in love with the monster. Mm-hmm. I bought into her connecting with the monster and feeling, you know, empathy for him, wanting to keep to rescue him. Mm-hmm. That completely... When they then have sex, which, again, we'll discuss at length elsewhere, and then when it becomes like a romance, I just don't... I don't feel like we saw enough for me to be like, okay... Yeah, I really buy this. She's fallen in love with him. Mm-hmm. It just, that that part of it, it led to some individual, again, it led to some really beautiful individual scenes. Like the scene when they, when she fills up the, the bathroom, the mm-hmm. bathroom, and it's all underwater. Yeah. That looked be- beautiful. That was mm. classic to Del Toro material. But yeah, I don't know. It still was like, oh, it's just, it's a monster though. Like, oh, not that it's a bad thing, but it just, it didn't humanize the monster enough for me to really buy you seem to have a problem with having sex with anything that uh, anything that's not human. I had no problem with the peach scene. You had a problem with her. That was a beautifully romantic film. Oh, okay. But that's, that's like an object, though. What else have people had sex with in films? <laughs> American Pie? I had no issue with that. It was fine. So food is all right? Food's fine. Yeah, food and sex go together very well. <laughs> <laughs> but anything else? And it, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I'm, like, fundamentally opposed to... Well, actually, in real life, obviously. Non, non-human sex. Yeah, obviously in real life, I'm not advocating going and shagging a sheep. But, you know, <laughs> but like for the, I could totally imagine a world in which I totally bought into that romance. Mm. I mean, my favourite film was The Little Mermaid, and that's very similar to fish having, well, they don't have sex, but it's a fish and a human. Obviously it looks different. But I just, I just felt like I needed to believe it more. I needed to see a little bit more of why it's fundamentally quite animalistic. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the point, because she, she doesn't speak and it doesn't speak, and so the communication's quite... Mm-hmm. There's not much of it, but... I don't know. It, it, like I said, this is my number four. This is a really small critique yeah, compared sure. to everything below it. It's really, really, really good. It's just, it, when it came to splitting hairs between four films, mm-hmm. my top four, that I really, really liked this mm-hmm. year, it was just finding tiny little flaws. And that's the only thing for me. But I did think it was great. Sure. Okay. 
You may think that thing looks human, but the thing we keep in there, it's an animal. I can either save him or let him die. Whatever this thing is, you need it. So you just tell me what to do. So my number three was Lady Bird. Your number three was Shape of Water. Yes. Okay, number so two. Number two. I'm just making sure we're on track. Okay. I'm just I'm just trying to keep us to time. Okay. Sure. Well, one of us keeps rambling. Well, maybe if one of us will stop bitching. We could move on. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Okay. It's fine. Don't mind. Number two. Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm gonna predict that we have the same top two, obviously, mm. which is Dunkirk and Guess Out. Mm. I'm imagining we have them opposite real worlds because my number two is Dunkirk and I'm guessing that's your number one correct yeah thought so let's talk Dunkirk then mm. again I was splitting hers I really enjoyed this mm. it was very close it was a very difficult pick to mm. decide between those two yeah I mean for me this one when it came to thinking about the top top three or four really and I, again another thing that I thought was how likely am I to go and see this in the cinema again that was my decider for this. and you I mean for you I, it's a no brainer because you've seen this in the cinema literally like four times three times three times sure and I've seen Get out in cinema once and at home once. Yeah. So I couldn't decide and I was just like, okay, put stats to it. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. also I haven't seen Dunkirk since it was in the cinema. Sure. Which was like six last, months ago. Yeah, last spring, I think. Yeah, yeah it's been a while. Mm. Hmm. And I would like to rewatch it, but as a cinematic experience, I saw it with you in the IMAX and it was the perfect way to watch it. Yeah. Because it was just a real visceral experience. Mm. And yeah, just, well, you talk about this one because this is something that obviously it's your favourite. You should have the floor for this. Well, I love a Chris Nolan film, mm. um, especially a film like this where there's like it's difficult to understand what's going on at first yeah uh, that's what I really loved about uh, Memento sure where just you don't know what's going on until about halfway through the film mm-hmm. suddenly it clicks and then it's the best thing ever right sure yeah and I had the same for this I was like okay there's a lot going on here and well actually no initially you don't realise that anything's up because mm. you see like people departing the harbour and the planes oh so you mean narratively you don't know it's going to do anything weird yeah narratively it all looks like it's all happening at the same time and then suddenly in the middle things get very confusing yeah and then you start seeing some scenes get repeated from different angles mm. and then suddenly it, it'll click in your head and it's different for everyone and then you work out what's going on and then it gets really exciting because you see things like a plane going down mm. and you don't realize that that's one of the characters that you're following mm. and yeah same with boats blowing up and people jumping out of boats into the ocean and all that i absolutely loved production design in this was incredible mm. when you see things like, say, from the plane's point of view, when there's something happening in the foreground and in the background, you see this boat sinking and you see it just sort of turn over on its side and disappear under the water in the space of about 10, 15 seconds. Mm. And the whole thing looks flawless. And then later in the film, you see that from people on the boat's perspective. Yeah. And they do clever things with a camera where they, like, attach it to the floor. And as the whole boat goes sideways, the camera stays the same. So the water sort of comes sideways across the screen. All that I found really, really enjoyable. Mm. It definitely deserves some technicals. Again, and maybe I'm biased by the fact that that's sort of in an IMAX, where obviously things are a lot louder. Mm. But sound design, sound editing, it really deserves those in particular. I remember mm-hmm. being so gripped by the sound and like literally jumping when bullets jumped through you know, oh, the, yeah. the, the hull of a boat or something. It yeah. was incredible. It really was an immersive experience. You really felt like you were there. But also the whole film was also filmed on uh, 35mm film. Mm. Which that's how, how I first saw it. I went to High Park Picture House, a nice old cinema in Leeds, and saw it there. And it felt like something else there. It felt like I was watching a film from about 40 years ago. Mm. 
because I mean none none of it looks particularly modern. Like there's no big fancy explosions or CGI. Everything looks just real. Yeah, and I know there is a lot of CGI in this. Sure, yeah, but I mean, imagine it's an easy comparison. Imagine if Michael Bay made this because it is his wheelhouse. That kind of action, but <laughs> it really is. It, but yeah, Christopher Nolan does does action without doing action. Yeah, like you really feel like you're there, and everything that does happen is really edge of seat. But it's not gratuitous. You're not seeing people's like innards being splayed everywhere. You're not seeing massive explosions. Mm-hmm. It's all very real and grounded and unshowy, but in a good way. So, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. thoughts on it? Yeah, no, as I said, I, I, there's very little I can fault with this. This is why it's in my top two. It was an amazing experience. I will say that the things that you just said that you liked about it so much in terms of not being able to follow it were maybe the things that I found distanced me a little bit from it just to keep it from being my number one because I did struggle to kind of Again, if I watch it back a second time, I think often Christopher Nolan films really benefit from a second watch because mm-hmm. once you've got what's happening, like Memento, if you watch Memento from the beginning, mm. having already seen it or knowing what's happening already, mm. it's a very different experience from the first time you watch it when you, as you say, it takes a while to kind of cotton on to what's happening. Well, see, now I think you're, you're doing a, a little bit of an unfair judgment because I'm pretty sure that a lot of the reasons you like Get Out so much is because it, it, there's a lot to get from a second watch, which we'll talk about. True, but I didn't struggle to follow Get Out. Uh, I see. I mean, yeah, you're right. The Guess Out is a film that you definitely should watch twice because once you know what's happening mm-hmm. in terms of the the conspiracy theory yeah, that underpins the film, you know, what the, the, what the villains are up to, who the villain mm-hmm. is and what yeah, they're up yeah, to, yeah. etc. Then yes, watching it a second time opens up a lot. But watching it the first time, you can still follow it. And then obviously the reveal happens. You're like, oh, that's what's happening. You know? mm. Whereas um, with Dunkirk, there were actively times, even at the end of the film. I mean, the main thing was Tom Hardy's character. Mm-hmm. The entire film, I had no idea. Well, that it was Tom Hardy. That it was Tom Hardy. It doesn't make a difference. No, no, not not in terms of just the actor, but like I didn't know who the character was. And when I got really confused when he landed, I was like, "What?" I still, even at the end, there were still things. I was like, "So, what's the time frame here? Mm -hmm. Have we seen this already?" It it just. I never watched it again. That'd be past, and I'd just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's just a thing I have with Nolan films. Sometimes is that the the gimmicks sometimes do get a little bit in the way of the ability to really engage in the story. The storytelling gets in the way of the story. A little bit, yeah. Mm. But it's a, it's a very minor... Crit- it's still my number two. Mm-hmm. Still absolutely loved it. I never watched it. I think it. maybe uh, Christopher Nolan films are a bit of an acquired taste, perhaps. That's also true. Because yeah. for me, I found it absolutely perfect and mm. I love this kind of storytelling. Sure. So, you know, it, it works for some people, doesn't work for others. And that's to be commended. Like, it, there's so many films now that are just so broad mm. and they're just made for everybody to like. Yeah. And so then nobody really likes them. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, I'd much rather watch a film that confused me than a film that just made me think, yeah, mm. that was a film. Yeah. So, yeah, agreed. Well, so now we're going to England. We have to go to Dunkirk first. Look at it. If we go there, we'll die. I see your point, son. Well, let's plot a course. Here. Is he a coward, Mr. Dawson? He's shell-shocked, George. He's not himself. He may never be himself again. Cool, cool. Get out. Yeah, so this is my number one. Get out. I think the first Actually, that, that, that was an instruction, if you could. This is my flat. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're way too familiar these days. Um, <laughs> so, yes, Get Out. My number one. First Oscar film that I saw this season. Because mm-hmm. it came out way back in like February or something. Mm-hmm. And... Just as soon as I saw it, I wanted to see it again. Both for the fact that there's a mystery element to the film. Obviously, once you know what's happening, it opens up the whole film to a mm-hmm. second viewing. And also because it's a real film to watch with other people and to pass along. And I really wanted to. I've said this before. I watched it with one of our other friends. We, were, we had an absolute ball. We loved it. Mm-hmm. 
got World at the Cinema one of my first thoughts was right I need I want to watch this with Harry I want to watch Harry watch this film because mm-hmm. it's just a joy to share with other people especially with people who like you know you have similar tastes with with film and stuff it's just it's just great and the acting is fantastic it's so clever it's again much like Lady Bird and Dunkirk I guess it doesn't put a foot wrong I couldn't pinpoint any part of this film that I would say well it could have been better if that had happened like everything yeah, I agree was completely. just so well crafted really edge of the seats you had the jump scares you were invested in the characters you believed in them it had moments of real comedy to it you were laughing and you were jumping mm-hmm. it just it was great and it's this I love it when popcorn cinema is done this well mm. when a film can be a real crowd please and a horror which you know often is not award the kind of film that gets a lot of awards mm-hmm. it's very rare for a horror film to get this kind of attention yeah early on in the this episode when we were ranking our bottom films I think what unites the post Phantom Fred the Darkest Hour maybe even call me by your name is that they're not going to be films that people are still going to be watching in 10 years' time, in mm. great numbers. They're films made to win Oscars. They're films for this season. Whereas Get Out is a film that made hundreds of millions. People are going to be watching this for years to come. Mm-hmm. It's very crowd-pleasing. It's very accessible. And it's also super intelligent, uncompromising, really, really artful, and has something to say. I think that both Get Out and Dunkirk mm. are the sort of films that I would have liked to have studied at school. Mm. I mean, Get Out, probably not going to be one of them because it's not exactly suitable for for, for people at certain ages but uh, yeah they're both such amazingly well made films that are so interesting and you get so much from watching multiple times mm-hmm. and I've only recently watched Get Out for a second time and it yeah. was just brilliant mm-hmm. yeah there's so much to pick apart and there's so many things things about film that you can just point at these films and go look look at that that's how it's done yeah. that's that is great filmmaking right there yeah and so I would like both of them to win Best Picture if they could. <laughs> Just share it. It's a tie. Yeah. yeah. I'll see that doesn't, no. that doesn't happen. Oh, imagine if it did. So not like La La Land and Moonlight where one wins and then gets it snatched away. Yeah. They actually just share it. It's not unprecedented. Really? Never for Best Picture. But mm. uh, back in this, I think they're probably, there's more people voting now so it's very unlikely. Mm-hmm. But in the 60s, I believe Best Actress was a tie between Barbara Streisand and Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. But only Barbara Streisand was at the awards ceremony because Catherine Hepburn, she won like four Oscars. She has the the record for the most Oscars. Mm-hmm. She used to famously never turn up. So she would right. never ever, she never ever did an acceptance speech. You know, me too, actually. What? Me too. I, I never turn up to the Oscars. Well, true, but you've never been nominated. <laughs> <laughs> if you were nominated for one, you'd be there with bells on. <laughs> you missing opportunities to wear a suit? Come on. Like, uh, so. <laughs> but yeah, so there have been ties, but I don't think for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it'd be interesting, but I don't think either of these films are going to win Best Picture, but I would be very happy if either of them did. Mm. Yeah. How do you feel now? I can't move. You can't move. Why can't I move? You're paralyzed. Just like that day when you did nothing. You did nothing. Now, sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Okay, so, actor in a leading role, mm-hmm. we have Timothy Chalamet from Call Me By Your Name, yep. Danny DeLewis' Phantom Thread, mm-hmm. Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out, Gary Oldman, Dark Stower, and Denzel Washington from Roman Jail, Israel Esquire. Yeah. I think we should probably say up top, well, I certainly have not, I don't know if you've got around to it yet, I have not yet watched Roman Jail, Israel. Mm, no. no. I hope to watch it by Sunday, so I can have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Not that yeah, I think he's going to win, but yeah, haven't got around to it yet, and I think it was an unexpected nomination. He wasn't in a lot of the pre-awards, and I'd not to denigrate Denzel in any way, not seeing the film, he might be brilliant, and he's obviously brilliant in other things. I do feel like this would have been James Franco had there not been 
things outside 100%, 100%. things outside the Oscars that meant that James Franco was no longer a viable nominee. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. You, you you don't win Golden Globe for Best Actor and not get a nomination from the Oscars. It's rare. It's very rare. Yeah. So and I I have no comments to make on that at all. But that sure. actually that's the fact of things. So yeah. Who are you giving it to then? I in terms of prediction or who I would give it to both. Okay, so I would actually, despite the fact that I had a lot of problems with the film, mm. I would give this to Timothy Chalamet. Okay. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was he gave a very real performance. Mm-hmm. It was heartbreaking. It was very naturalistic. I was totally engaged with his character from start to finish. For someone so young to be that good, I think is really commendable. Mm-hmm. So I really thought he was a massive standout. A very close second would be Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. Again, just because I thought he was very good with... Well, for me, my, my choice would be Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Mm. Um, he really anchors that film. He does, yeah. And it's not again. It's not like a capital letters acting. You know, it's not like he's got a big emotional speech at any point. But he just, you know, you, you for that kind of film to work, you really have to buy into the lead character. And he, I think he was great from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, we both saw the Baftas. I just want to see him make more speeches. Yeah, his was... speech was brilliant. <laughs> if you've not seen it before, listeners, there you should. You should... YouTube Daniel Kaluuya's best actor Bafta speech. It was very, very good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait, wasn't that when right at the start for? Um... Newcomer? Oh, yeah, he didn't win Best Actor. He won Best Newcomer, sorry. Yeah, yeah that was it. Sorry. It was a little blue award. Yes. <laughs> but I predict Gary Oldman. Yeah, I'm predicting Gary Oldman too. No. Okay, so I'd like to do clearly predict Gary Oldman. Actress in a leading role. Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water. Francis McDormand, Three Billboards. Margot Robbie, I, Tonya. Saoirse Ronan, Lady Bird. And Meryl Streep, The Post. Mm-hmm. I would like Sally Hawkins to win it. Same. I mean, again, I've not seen Margot Robbie yet in Itonia. Same. We are, again, hoping to see it by Sunday, mm-hmm. but not yet. Uh, yeah, of the of the remaining four, yeah, Sally Hawkins. I thought she was fantastic. Mm. Just, again, without any dialogue. It was a very physical performance. Yeah. and It was so charming. I, I think that she... I'm going to predict her as well. You think she'll win? Mm. I don't think she'll win. I would like her to win, but I think Frances McDormand will win. It's between those two. Yeah. For me. Frances has won a lot of the pre-awards. It feels like she's really got unstoppable momentum right now. Sure. But, sure. Yeah. And, and she was great. I thought she was really fantastic. But mm. it was not something... I will say, it wasn't anything I've not seen from her before. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of her work you've seen, but having seen Fargo, having seen a brilliant HBO series called Olive Kittredge, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like She's so good. But this is... She was in her comfort zone, I would say. Mm. So she was great. She deserves it. But again, she, but she also already has an Oscar. And, you know, no one else. In the, well, Meryl Streep has three. And Meryl's by far my fifth in this. Well, fourth. I've not seen Margot yet. But she's by far the one I would least give it to, just based on the role. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, Sally Hawkins deserves an Oscar by now. Saoirse Ronan deserves an Oscar. And I would love it if Saoirse was a surprise winner. I think she was so good. But, yeah, Sally Hawkins is my pick. And Frances McDormand is my prediction. Great. Best Supporting Actor, mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe, The Florida Project. Woody Harrelson, Three Billboards Outside Edding, Missouri. By the way, I could present an award. You're doing very well. Well, you did just pronounce yeah. it Edding, Missouri, so, but until then you were doing great. It's Ebbing. Ah, uh, <laughs> all right. Um, Richard Jenkins, The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer, All the Money in the World. And Sam Rock- Rockwell, Three Billboards Outside Edding, Missouri. Ebbing. I'm doing it on purpose now. <laughs> um, so I don't think either of us have seen Bonham Defoe or Christopher Plummer. No. So I like the idea of Christopher Chris. Him, Christopher Plummer, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, again, I'm. It's we we just missed this one, and it's not in the cinemas anymore. Mm. If there's a way for us to watch it between now and Sunday, we'll do our best. But yeah, it just hasn't happened yet. Um, for me, I would like uh, Sam Rockwell to win, and I predict him as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, I predict Sam Rockwell too. Mm. Uh, my pick would actually be Richard Jenkins. I thought he was lovely in Shape of Water. I really like that. I thought character. he was great. I didn't really think he had a lot to do. He didn't have loads to do. Sam Rockwell had. 
almost everything to do. He did. I, again, this just comes down to some of the problems I had with the film in that I found his character and his performance just on the edge of hammy. Mm. It was just a little bit cartoonish in times. And it, but it was really funny to watch. But I just thought, is this best actor or best supporting actor really sure like, yeah it was just it was it felt just a little bit too broad mm. whereas I thought Richard Jenkins cre- created quite a quite a sad sweet character that I mm-hmm. reson- that resonated quite strongly with me so but yeah I have no problem particularly with Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson was fine yeah yeah alright so actress in a supporting role mm-hmm. Mary, Day Bla- Mary J. Blige Mudbound I'm getting less and less convinced that you actually do have the credentials for this <laughs> Alice and Janie 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 uh, Alison Janney. That one. From I, Tanya. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leslie Manville, Phantom Thread. Laura Metcalf. Laurie Metcalf. Ladybird. Octavia Spencer, The Shape of Water. Yes. Well, I've seen Lady, uh, Laurie Metcalf and Octavia Spencer. Oh, and uh, Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread. What are your thoughts? Yeah, same. I've not yet seen Alison Janney and I've not yet seen Mary J. Blige. Hoping to watch both mm. between now and Sunday, mm-hmm. if time permits. Mm. I would say of the ones I've seen which is Octavia, Leslie and Laurie I would give it to Laurie Metcalf by far I thought she was really really good yeah same she's my pick and prediction yeah I'm predicting Alison Janney it seems like she's winning a lot of the pre-awards and it seems like it's very showy role and she's one of those actresses that everyone likes and I think like, people have been waiting for an opportunity to give her an Oscar okay sure Leslie Manville was was great hmm. uh, but there's not loads to it mm-hmm. uh, same with Octavia Spencer she was great she was always a delight to watch but she, it wasn't a hugely showy role. So. Mm-hmm. Whereas Laurie Metcalf got to really run the gamut. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, now, best animated feature film. We, I, we've only seen one of these, and that's Coco. Yeah. Um, other than that, there is The Boss Baby, The Breadwinner, Ferdinand, and Loving Vincent. Yeah. Now, this one, yeah. Uh, well, Coco is, I guess, our pick, my pick. Cause yeah, <laughs> by default. <laughs> yeah, only one I've seen. If it wasn't for that, I would be tempted to be giving it to Lego Batman. Mm-hmm which I think has been absolutely snubbed for this. Yeah. Considering the Boss Baby got in, it seems silly. Right? Yeah, I've only seen trailers for the Boss Baby. I mean, it looks fine, but uh, yeah. come on. Ferdinand didn't even see any trailers. Was that a big film at all? I think I've seen it on the side of buses a lot. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen a trailer, but I've seen it on the side of a lot of buses. Like, yeah. <laughs> not heard of the breadwinner before this, actually. I think that's a foreign one. Oh, Angelina Jolie. Oh, okay. Um, Is she playing the bread? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or the winner. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. uh, <laughs> but uh, Loving Vincent looks like a really interesting film. Yes, I'd like to try and get what that was. So if anybody doesn't know, um, it's a film about Van Gogh. And I think they filmed the entire film and then they got hundreds of artists to paint every frame of the film mm-hmm. in the style of Van Gogh. Yes. So it's, an, it's a feature-length film that looks like a Van Gogh painting. Yes. Well, it literally is paintings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd quite like to see that win. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's my choice for winning having not seen it it could be terrible just because it's clever doesn't mean it's like a good film it might be awful well that's the thing with with this category are you nominating the animation or are you nominating how good the, the film is quality of the film yeah it's never clear I think it's the animation because Toy Story 3 got a best picture nomination mm. so if the film quality is good enough it's going to get into best picture oh I see that's the difference mm. okay well I guess that's fair I mean I'd, I would really I'm sick I've got like four days and about seven films I'm saying I'd like to see by Sunday so I'm, <laughs> realistically I'm not going to yeah. but yeah I feel like I don't need to see Ferdinand or Boss Baby to know that they're probably the outsiders in this one and probably aren't mm. that great Breadwinner I'd like to see because it sounds like it might be interesting uh, and I would love to see Living Vincent to see if it's as good as it's animation Yeah, it does look great it's an interesting idea so yeah sure if Living Vincent wins great Mm-hmm. Innovative idea. Obviously, a lot of care and attention has gone to it, but we both really unreservedly loved Coco. Mm, and I feel like Coco 
had it been a Best Picture nominee, would probably been in my top five. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no problem with Coco winning. Great stuff. Okay, cinematography. Oh, okay. Blade Runner 2049, mm-hmm. Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, and The Shape of Water. Okay. So, I watched Blade Runner 2049 last week, or was it this week? I don't know. It was fine. Uh, cinematography didn't particularly stand out for me, even mm-hmm. though I knew it would. It was nominated. Yeah. So, yeah, not really giving it to that. Darkest Hour... 100% not giving it to that. No. It Visually was... hated that film. Mm, yeah. All those scenes in The Darkest Hour when it looked like it was about to kick into the opening credits from the Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so yeah. many like, weird overhead shots where it suddenly goes super CGI and mm. it looks like it's like panning over Westeros. It's bizarre. I guess that's why I got cinematography, but I didn't like it. <sighs> yeah. Get lost. Yeah. Dunkirk, clear winner. Yeah. That film had a vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And it, yeah. it achieved it. Mudband have not seen. Shape of Water did look lovely. Mm don't know if I'm going to give it no I'm not I wouldn't give it best cinematography there was only one or two shots that actually made me sort of notice yeah how, how visually great it looked that's a very that's fair actually and you've actually changed my mind because I was thinking I was going to say Shape of Water because I can think of individual scenes that looked beautiful mm-hmm. but when I think about it you're right it was individual scenes whereas Dunkirk creates a whole world and it's so consistent mm. and it really does look great so yeah I'm going to go with you on Dunkirk and I'll predict Dunkirk too yeah same okay costume design ooh always fun Beauty and the Beast uh huh Darkest Hour? Nope. What? Costumes? Sorry, that wasn't aimed at you, but like, what costumes? Nobody's... Exactly. Everyone's just wearing clothes. Yeah. Like, he just wears a few suits. All the men are wearing the same suit. All the men are wearing the same suit. The secretary's just dressed, you know, very professionally. She's just wearing like a, you know, Mm -hmm. like a 50s, 40s dress. Mm. The wife wears a couple of dresses, but nothing like outstanding. No. How is that costume design? I do not know. Uh, call me baffled. Call me completely baffled. I mean, if the costume includes the uh, the, the extra chin that Gary Oldman's wearing, yeah, well, then, that's then it. yeah, I mean, maybe. The, we've not got to make up, but clearly that's going to be make up just for that. But, um, okay, okay uh, really so confused. Beauty and the Beast, Dark Style, Phantom Thread. As, it could have been better. It could have been better. Yeah. Shape of Water. I mean, no costumes really stood up. Does that include the cost- the, the fish costume? See, I'm not sure how much of that is CGI. Yeah. I feel like the, the, I know that his face, at least, was CGI. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to say not that. No. I can't remember what anyone was wearing, particularly. It was all right, I guess. Yeah. Victoria and Abdul is the last one. I think that's going to win it. I've okay. not seen it, but I've seen the trailer, and it does look like it's heavily based on costumes. Sure, okay. And it looks really good mm-hmm. for that. What were the five again, sorry, quickly? Beauty and the Beast, Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, Shape of Water, Victoria and Abdul. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's hard. I mean, the, the ones... To be fair, the only one I've not seen from that list is Victoria and Abdul. So, yeah, maybe... Uh, after the ones I have seen, I'd give it to Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. At least that had actual costumes. Like, it had the, the mask ball. That looked kind of cool. I mean, I'm not giving it enthusiastically, but the other three didn't really blow me away from a costume perspective at all. Right? Mm. Yeah. It's a difficult prediction. I'm, I'm going to predict Victoria and Abdul, but it's a complete guess. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll predict the same, but mm. it's just because I don't know. I don't know if Beauty and the Beast will get that kind of thing. Okay, directing. Okay. Big one. Dunkirk, mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan. Get Out by Jordan Peele. Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig, Phantom Thread by Paul Thomas Anderson, and The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. Now, this is interesting uh-huh. because one of the big front runners to win Best Picture is Free Billboards. Yeah. And yet it's not nominated here, which is, okay. and it's very rare for films to win Best Picture when it's mm. not nominated for Best Director. It could happen, but yeah, so interesting. Well, it's not Phantom Thread. Let's rule that out. Yeah, same. I don't think it's Lady Bird. No. As good as Ladybird was, no. I don't think it beats these other three. No, I'd agree. Shape of Water, actually all three of them, the directors clearly had amazing visions mm. and they were all brilliantly executed. Yeah. 
Of get, the three that are remaining, you mean? Yeah, Dunkirk, Get Out and Shape Water. Sure, okay. I might have to give it to Dunkirk. Okay. I know that's probably quite predictable of me. Well, uh, it was your favourite film. I think that's fair. Mm. No, I would happy, happily see Christopher Miller and get this. Has he ever had a Best Director? I have no, no idea. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I would like Guillermo del Toro to get it because I like him a lot, but I would say I liked Pan's Labyrinth more than I like this. Mm. So it'd be more, it might be more just because I love him. But I mean, I thought it was a very well-directed film. You know, obviously I said the parts that look really beautiful. Any of the three, same. Jordan Peele winning would be great because it really, as, as a fully executed piece, it's just so good. Mm. Even though it doesn't necessarily have as many moments. Mm-hmm. Or, well, not as many showy moments anyway. But yeah, I think I'm going to predict Christopher Nolan and say I'd be happy with it, but I'd also be very happy with Guillermo del Toro or Jordan Peele. Yeah. There's not much this category can do to upset me, really. No. Apart from Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread, I'll be like, yeah, really? <laughs> well, because if we did that, then I'd be like, okay, well, these other three films are all robbed. Yeah. Whereas if just Dunkirk won, I thought yeah. it's going to be one. If Dunkirk won, I'm not going to say the Get Out and Shape of Water were robbed. No, yeah, true. Yeah, it's a strong category. they're all quite close. Yeah. Okay, now this one is just going to be a complete guess. Mm-hmm. Documentary feature. Oh, sure. Abacus, Small Enough to Jail. Faces, Places. Icarus. Last Men in Aleppo. Strong Island. Uh, I'm going to go Faces, Places, because it rhymes. I'm going to go Strong Island because it makes me sound of an island full of strong men. Mm. Just being like, you know, just be like, hoo, 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 lifting weights and, you know, pumping Sure, iron. sure. Okay, documentary short. Mm-hmm. Edith plus Eddie. There's no spaces in that, by the way, yeah. so I don't know what's going on now. So we have Romeo and Juliet, I guess. <laughs> British Romeo and Juliet. Edith, Edith and, Eddie. and Eddie sounds very British, yeah. Also quite old. Yeah. Mm. Heaven is a traffic jam on the 405. Nice. Heroin. The E is in brackets. Okay. Uh, knife skills and traffic stop. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go for heroin because I've heard of it. I'm going to go for heaven is a traffic jam on the A46 or whatever that was called. Heaven is a traffic jam on the 405. The 405. Don't it think sa- it's a British film. Fair <laughs> it sounds like a Belinda Carlisle song. Okay, Ooh, sure. Oh, baby, do you know what that's worth? Uh-huh. Oh, heaven is a traffic jam on the, on the 405. <laughs> Doesn't roll off the tongue, but I like it. Okay. Um, film editing. Sure. Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. I, Tonya. Yeah. The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Three Billboards. I'm going to say Baby Driver for this. It's between Baby Driver and Dunkirk. Yeah, they're definitely the two. I feel like it, Baby Driver not being up in the other categories very mm. much means that it, this is the first time we're talking about it. I think it might it. be its only nomination. Yeah, and it is a very, very well-edited film. It's very well put together. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. And Dunkirk's well-edited too, but specifically the editing stands out in Baby Driver as being a real like labour of love. Mm. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll I feel give like it, it is in, Dun- in Dunkirk too. Yeah, Baby Driver. Baby Driver, sure. Baby Driver. Yeah. Okay, foreign language film. Okay. A Fantastic Woman. Have you seen any of these? No. The Insult, Loveless, On Body and Soul, The Square. I've heard good things about... <laughs> what's the... A, 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 a Fantastic Woman. I've heard good things about A Fantastic Woman, so I will say I hope that wins, but no, I've not seen any of them, so it's a real shot in the dark. Sure. Well, I'm going to go for The Square, because it's the only film from Sweden, and I like Sweden. Oh. No, I like Sweden. That's my thing. You can't have my thing. I'm sorry, okay. Have you even been to Sweden? No. Cyber, <laughs> let's go to Sweden. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Okay, makeup and hairstyling. Okay, cool. Wigs. The, the wigs category. Darkest Hour. No. Nah. There's only three films Oh, oh wait, it's makeup, isn't it? So that's going to win. Yeah, fine. Victoria and Abdul. Not seen, but sure. Wonder. Not seen Wonder. Oh, that was the one with, um, we saw the trailer, the Julia Roberts plus... Jacob Tremblay. Jacob Tremblay playing mm. a boy who has a facial disfigurement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can't judge the quality of the film on the quality of the makeup. You know? I mean, Suicide Squad, <laughs> Suicide Squad won this last year, so yeah. you've got to judge purely on makeup. I mean, let's not even waste any time. This is the Darkest Hours Awards. It's just for making Gary Oldman look like Winston Churchill. Take yeah. the Darkest Hour. Yeah. Okay, music. Music? Cool, okay. Is this music as in score? Original score. Okay. Dunkirk mm-hmm. by Hans Zimmer. 
Phantom Thread, which is Johnny Greenwood. Mm-hmm. The Shape of Water, Alexandra Desplat. Star Wars, The Last Jedi, John Williams. And Three Billboards by Carter Burwell. I like a Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Goes well with Chris Nolan. Yeah. Really works to sort of add tension to the film. Sure. Which, uh, if you go back to our Interstellar episode, I guess Joe goes on about for a solid half hour. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice it in Phantom Thread, Shape of Water, or Three Billboards. Mm-hmm. I noticed it in Star Wars and Dunkirk. Star Wars didn't feel like it broke new ground sure. for me. It was just much more of John Williams doing more of what he does, yeah. which is great. It was amazing. But none of it was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Whereas Dunkirk, the music felt like another character Sure, for me. No, I think I'd agree. Uh, I didn't notice... I, I definitely noticed the music in Phantom Fred, but it annoyed me because mm. it was so loud and it was constant, just this constant piano pounding <laughs> and it became really intrusive and I didn't like it very much. Uh, Star Wars, I couldn't tell you any original tunes. When I think of Star Wars music, I just immediately think, you know, do, 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 do. Mm. What were the other ones? So Dunkirk, yeah, I had good Dunkirk, music. Phantom Thread, Shape of Water, Star Wars, and Three Billboards. Actually, Shape of Water was musically nice. I liked it a lot. It was there. Yeah. Didn't stand out massively to me. No, and there was a lot of songs, which I think are a different thing. Like, there was lots of, like, 1920s songs. Mm. I remember that nice scene with the dancing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that's a different category. Yeah, I wouldn't mind Shape of Water, but I, 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 yeah, Dunkirk can have this one too. Yeah. Fine, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Original song. Mm. Mighty River from Mudbound. Okay. Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. Remember Me from Coco. Stand Up for Something from Marshall. And This Is Me from The Greatest Showman. Great. So I've seen Call Me By Your Name, Greatest Showman, and Coco. Mm-hmm. You the same? Yes. I didn't notice Call Me By Names at all. Okay. Like, I just don't remember it being there. Okay. I guess it must have been at the start when I was bored. Maybe. We just saw Coco literally yesterday. Mm. So Remember Me is quite fresh on our minds. Yeah. And uh, for me, and that's my pick, actually, is, yeah. is Remember Me. It's a lovely little tune. And they play quite a lot through that film. They're definitely trying. They really to, hammer to, it home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, whereas This Is Me from The Greatest Showman, although I've heard about it beforehand, because my housemate's obsessed with it, <laughs> I'm just not there for it. It just mm. feels quite average. It's such a Eurovision song, which for me is fine. I love Eurovision, mm. but it's a really like you've heard it a million times before. Yeah, like it's a real kind of yeah, generic. I don't care what you think. I'm I'm happy with myself as I am. Exactly. That that's all it is. And you, there's so many songs like that. Yeah, it's especially, especially in musicals. It's very rousing, but yeah, the "Call Me by Your Name" song is written by a guy called Sufjan Stevens and sung by mm-hmm. who I'm a big fan of, and I actually thought it was a lovely song. So I'm going to choose that one. But Coco is a close second. I thought Coco, that song was really nice in Coco. And okay, well, I'm going with Coco. Sure. Production design. Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Darkest Hour. Nope. Nope. Dunkirk and The Shape of Water. Sidebar, I like that we have a hate film. I know, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's always good to have a hate film. Yeah. Last year it was Axel Ridge, this year it's Darkest Hour. I hope it doesn't win a thing. It wasn't even my ninth, but I I don't hate the post. I put ninth for just being pure meh. Mm. Whereas Darkest Hour had a good story at least, but yeah, I, I don't want it to win anything. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I didn't like about it. It's over-nominated, so it's over-nominated, so I can root against it in every category. So, yeah. mm. so Beauty and the Beast, Blade Runner, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Shape of Water. Production design. This is... It's a tricky one, because this is like sets, right? Yeah. Like how much of Dunkirk it's, was a set and how much of it was just CGI? Well, I think it's CGI as well, I guess, because Beauty and the Beast is in there. True, yeah. I guess so it's just design, yeah. Mm. Well, it's just tricky. Like, Shape of Wars had some really, a really good sense of space. Mm. Every one of its sets felt really, you know, but Dunkirk looked fantastic. I've given Dunkirk, I'm going to give this to Shape of Water. I might give it to Shape of Water as well. Yeah. It did look very nice. And that's what Del Toro does. He, mm-hmm. he, he's a visual director. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm giving it as well. Yeah. Just while we're on the topic, one of my problems with Darkest Hour was just how 
awful they got the House of Commons. Yeah. Like the lighting in it. Like it was zero lights mm-hmm. and a single skylight that would, uh, actually, if you notice through the films, it would change sides on the ceiling, depending oh. on who's talking. Really? Okay. Uh, <laughs> also, how many times have we shown him walking through that same tunnel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. No. Not if, here for if, it. If, you, if you're going to create a set of a, a set that most people in Britain are probably somewhat familiar with, yeah. just make it a little bit accurate. Yeah, get it just right. Yeah. Vaguely with the lighting. Like, I get it. It's back in the day. Mm-hmm. The lighting's different. But it wasn't pitch black back then. No, true. It was the darkest hour, Harry. It was the darkest hour. Darkest hour of the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> okay, short film. Animated. Again, it's a, it's a guessing game. Dear Basketball. Garden Party. Lou. Is that L-O-O or L-O-U? L-O-U. Oh, okay. Negative Space and Revolting Rhymes. Ooh, I saw Revolting Rhymes. Did you? It was on Crit TV at Christmas. Ah. So that can have it, just because I've seen it. Uh, yeah, there is like a, a weird animal wearing a... Is it Christmas hat? I don't know, just a red and white hat. It's the wolf dressed as Little Red Riding Hood. Did, did you ever read Real Dolls Revolting Rounds when you were a kid? Nope. Oh, you've missed out. Mm, I guess Great. so. Yeah, it was on TV at Christmas. It was fun. Oh, lovely. I mean, it didn't blow me away. I wasn't like, oh, that's going to win an Oscar. But it was good. Okay, so I guess that's your pick. I'm going to pick, just for <laughs> purely out of familiarity, I'll give it to Revolting Rounds. I'm going to go with Garden Party because it sounds like a laugh. Yeah, sounds nice. Okay, hey, short film, live action. Okay. DeCalib, DeCalb, Elementary. D-E-K-A-L-B. Sure. <laughs> the 11 o'clock, my nephew Emmett. What, the 11 o'clock? Yeah, the 11 o'clock. Okay, well that's not winning for grammatical failures straight away. My nephew Emmett, the silent child, and Watu Wot slash all of us. Okay. I'm guessing that one's actually a different language. I'm going to go with the 11 o'clock, just because it looks like it's going to annoy you. Okay, I'm going to give it to the silent child, because that's the best kind of child. <laughs> <laughs> Sound editing. Great, okay. Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Oh, is that the nomination? That's, that's the first one. Blade Runner, Dunkirk, The Shape of Water, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Mm. Well, we've already talked about this. Dunkirk all the way. All the way. Yes, yes, easily. 100%. Sound mixing. Uh, Dunkirk. Forgive, forgive me if I repeat myself. Baby Driver, Blade Runner, Dunkirk, Shape of Water, Star Wars. Same, Dunkirk. That is the exact five nominations. I want to point out sound editing and sound mixing. Almost as if nobody knows what the difference is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm why these are two separate things and mm-hmm. hair and makeup are still one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I don't feel that strongly about hair and makeup, but no. come on. Yeah. Yeah, Dunkirk on both. Great. I mean, Baby Driver is fine. Was, that, yeah. that, that would be good. Good alternate, yeah. Star Wars, maybe. The other ones, eh. mm. Star Wars does do good sound. It does. Okay, visual effects. The covers for these are all very colourful. Okay. Um, Blade Runner. Sure. Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay. Kong Skull Island, mm-hmm. Star Wars The Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. Okay, now I'm, I'm getting out of Blade Runner. Not not there for that. All these other four, they, they've they all earned it. And yeah. it would be fine if, if any of them won. I agree. Um, I would love to see Guns of the Galaxy win because that would be Marvel's first Oscar. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even know that. Okay, cool. Well, they don't really do sort of Oscar-y films. True, and, but I'm surprised. And a lot of them aren't particularly visual. Mm. Whereas this one, they, they really went for it. And... With a lot of CGI characters as well, and the yeah. CGI was perfect in this. Kong Skull Island, yeah, yeah, it looked really good. Mm. Star Wars looked incredible, and War for the Planet of the Apes just looked like it was real life. Yeah. I'm going to give this to War for the Planet of the Apes. I'm going to give it to Guardians. I'm going to give, give them a chance. Okay. Okay, writing, adapted screenplay. Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. The Disaster Artist. Oh, did get a nomination. Okay. Uh, Logan, 
Molly's Game and Mudbound. I'm going to say Molly's Game. The I'm writing gonna, was really strong on that. Well, I'm going to say Logan. I've not seen it, so fine. Have you not? No, not yet. You'd like it. Thank you. Yeah, it was a good one. And uh, in fact, I think there's been two more snubs there. I think Hugh Jackman should have got the best actor nomination. Patrick Stewart should have got the best supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Over? Over... Whoever they were. Well, Hugh Jackman over Denzel Washington, shall we say? Because he's, he's the like the fifth one that's not there for any particular reason. Yeah. Yeah, def- def- definitely him. And uh, probably knock off Bridget Jenkins for me. Okay. He didn't really do much for me with Patrick Stewart. When you watch this film, you'll see that, like, okay, that is that is acting. Okay. Is it acting? Of course it is. It's Patrick Stewart. Of course it's acting. No, with Patrick Stewart, it's more like acting. Okay. He'll finish the scene and go, acting. Oh, okay. And walk off. That's okay, cool. Look forward um, to seeing that. Okay, uh, writing original screenplay, mm-hmm. The Big Sick, which I've not seen, Get Out, Lady Bird, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards. That's original screenplay. I'm going to give this to Lady Bird. I thought it was very well scripted. It was lovely. Very, very funny. Well, lyrical. I'm going to give it to Three Billboards. Oh, no. Do you not think Three Billboards was, was well written? I, I just had some real problems with the dialogue. It was so heavy-handed. Actually, yes. Now I remember the comedy scene, how much I hated them. Yeah. All right. Moving past that. Shape of Water, I think. Yeah. Fair? Yeah. Okay, last one. Best Picture. Oh, Our okay. prediction for Best Picture. So to recap, my personal ranking was Dark Star, Phantom Thread, The Post, Call Me By Name, Lady Bird, Three Billboards, Shape of Water, Get Out, Dunkirk. Three. <laughs> okay. And my personal ranking, which I've just closed, was from start from best to worst or worst to oh, worst. worst to best. So it was The Post, The Darkest Hour, Phantom Thread, Call Me By Your Name, Three Billboards, The Shape of Water, Lady Bird, Dunkirk, and Get Out. And your prediction? I predict it will go to Three Billboards. Okay, well, I'm predicting it's going to go to Get Out. Okay. I'd be very happy with that. I'd very, be, very happy. Uh, yeah, I'd be so happy with that. I think that that's, I think that's the most likely to win because it talks about current issues mm-hmm. very obviously and yeah. and also it's a really, really interesting film. Mm. I think Three Billboards, not so much. No. It, it, it's just fine. Like it, yeah. It's really good. It's not the one I want. I would like, get, obviously, Get Out's one I want. I want Get Out. Mm. But I feel like Three Billboards has won so many awards up till now. It feels like it's on this massive train towards winning and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of problems with that, but you know, this seems to where the wind is blowing. But you never tell. I mean, they have missed out Best Director, so that does give it a little chink in the armour. So, yeah. mm. Cool. Well, get out. For the last time, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, should we do our own, our, our own awards? Sure. Right, I'll go first with uh, our own awards. Okay. Number one, the hottest sex scene. Hottest sex scene, okay. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Well, I mean, there's no competition, is there really? It's got to be Timothy Chamelet and that peach. Here's the peach, isn't the it? The peach, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You? Oh, my first award? Okay. Mm. So my first award is Achievement in Scenery Chewing. Achievement in Scenery Chewing. Yeah. Uh... Do you want to hear my nominees? Will that help you out? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're doing nominees. Crikey. Not in every category, but I've got I've got five nominees mm. here. So my nominees are John C. Riley in Kong, mm-hmm. Skull Island, Sam Rockwell in Free Billboards, mm. Audra McDonald, who played the wardrobe in Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. Russell Crowe in The Mummy, Mm. And Charlotte Copley in Free Fire. Um, it's called John C. Riley for me. John C. Riley, yeah, he, he was very good. He chewed a lot of scenery. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was an easy my winner too. Maybe Sam Rockwell as well. Oh no, Russell Crowe was good too. But yeah. Okay, sure. Okay, to to mirror my hottest sex scene, coldest sex scene, coldest sex scene. Okay, what's yours? Timothy Chalamet, Lady Bird. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's fair. That is that's not that's not a hot scene. Just... Gotta say, he in this Oscar season has had about what ten sex scenes. Yeah, 
which have in total lasted about a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that poor guy. But yeah, no, that's very fair. That that was nothing arousing about that scene, sex scene at all. My next category is for achievement in wigs. Oh, that's mine too. Mine too. Okay. Best wig. What was yours? James Franco. In the Disaster, Disaster Artist. Yeah. So my nominees were James Franco in The Disaster Artist, mm-hmm. Julianne Moore in Suburbicon, mm-hmm. and my winner, by a clear margin, Michelle Pfeiffer in Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Um, what a scene. Yeah, I'm talking with James Franco. Fair All enough. right, best cameo. Best cameo. Oh, I had this one too. Mm. Okay. You got nominees? Uh, only two and I'm guessing we're going to have the same ones you're going all out on us what you got the runner up was Elton John in Kingsman 2 The Golden Circle mm-hmm. and the obvious winner which I'm sure you'll agree Paul McCartney in Pirates of the Caribbean Salazar's Revenge <sighs> sure yeah to be fair I've only actually picked Oscar films oh okay because we're doing an Oscar episode oh I thought it was just our general awards okay mm, sorry John sorry uh, I actually went with Brian Cranston oh okay disaster artist fair yeah that was good yeah yeah so my last one is the Joanna Lumley Memorial Award for Achievements in Being a Fabulous Bitch. <laughs> wow. So the nominees are Michelle Pfeiffer in Murder on the Orient Express, mm-hmm. Judy Dench in Murder on the Orient Express, <laughs> Sama Hayek in Utterly Oscar Snubbed, The Last, the, what's it called? Bodyguard? The, something's Bodyguard? The, the Hitman's co- Bodyguard. The Hitman's Bodyguard. Sama Hayek in The Hitman's Bodyguard. Mm-hmm. And the winner by a mile. Charlize Theron in Atomic Blonde. Oh, yes. There we go. Yeah, lovely. Okay, best food. Best food? Yeah. I, I, I mean, in, in the food you want to eat or just the best use of food in a scene? Food you want to eat. Because I don't want to eat that peach. Actually, no, no. Best use of food in a scene. Was yours the peach? No. Okay. I can't think of any others. Why? Mine was the blue milk in Star Wars The Last Jedi. Oh, that came out of the cow? Yeah. The, the, the cow alien thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hot. hot. <laughs> um, okay, best sidekick? Best sidekick. Have you got any nominees or have you just got a winner? Just a winner. Oh, who had a good, who's a good sidekick? Well, I've gone with Get Out. Get Out. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually. Yeah, that's fair. He was a good sidekick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a few the here and there, but he's definitely the, the best the friend in uh, Get Out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, best Death. Ooh, interesting. Best Death. For me, I've gone with Get Out again. Okay. The guy who dies mid- midway through brain surgery, who didn't die, he's just left there. Oh, yeah. Oh. Has, has his head opened up and mm-hmm. then just left alone. Okay. <laughs> Okay, the last award. Best Dunkirk film. Best Dunkirk. <laughs> well, to be fair, there are two categories. There's a clear winner, yeah. For you? I've chosen Dunkirk. It's, I'm yeah. going to go with Dunkirk yeah. as well. That's sorry, right. sorry the, the darkest hour, but you yeah. just missed it, yeah. Um, all right, well, I guess that just about wraps us up. 90th Oscars this Sunday. Yes, we will be there. We'll be watching it uh, live at your house, and we will hopefully do... Well, but- other people really care about how we're watching it but uh... true 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 but we will also hopefully people will care to hear what we think about it because we're hoping to do a reaction episode immediately afterwards hopefully i've got on sunday evening or monday sometime I don't no no monday, monday. Sunday, yeah. no no sorry monday it'll go on monday yeah it might be a little bit like, real there is going to be a group of us watching it so it's true yeah. true, true no obviously no okay uh, yeah so uh tune in for our reaction episode next week mm-hmm. um but beforehand if you're interested in listening to any of our episodes our current episode i think no? oh our next episode is la la land which, which is on um, friday yeah yeah so obviously that's uh one of last year's close winners yes indeed close winners mm-hmm. yeah and that one we uh, we guested on another show what you're talking about up in scotland do you want uh, to say that again what you're talking about better better no? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they came on for la la land so uh, it's guest episode and it's a good one I'll be a little bit long. John's got some editing to do. Yeah, it's got a busy week for John. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be fine. 
I'll make it happen. Great. And uh, if you're interested in any of our slightly longer reviews than a couple of minutes, we're, we've uh, we've been doing short reviews, about 15 minutes each, mm-hmm. on every Best Picture nomination, plus a few other cinema releases which we've uh, seen in recent weeks. They can all be found on Patreon.com, if you just look for Beyond the Boxer. Or it's Patreon.com slash Beyond the Boxer. That'll do you. Yes. So they can all be found on Patreon, which is a bonus place for anybody who's feeling particularly generous. And or just like, really loves us. Or just really loves us. Uh, anybody who would like to support the show. Yes. You can pay $2. You can pay as much as you want. You get it no matter how much you pay. It's a pay-as-you-feel system, really. Yes. And, uh, well, we'd be eternally grateful. Yeah. So you get access to our exclusive bonus show, Beyond Beyond the Box Set, which is our cinema review mini-episodes, f- focused at the moment on the best picture nominees but we're going to keep it running throughout the year and you know in perpetuity for just anything we see in the cinema that we really like or just anything we see in the cinema like it or hate it we'll try and do it we're going to try and i think do an episode every time we get out of the cinema Mm -hmm. to give you a quick reaction to films that we've seen through the year um and it's just basic film reviews 15 to 20 minute long long each a little bit of a sequel pitch at the end but not the main theme of of it by any means and we're often drunk when we record it which is you know more so than we are when we do this believe it or not such a thing as possible. Other benefits of supporting us on Patreon include a 30-second ad slot on our show on Beyond the Box Sets for whatever you might want to plug, be it a podcast or a business or a personal brand or your favourite pop star. You can also get to choose a film that we will cover on Beyond the Box Set on a future episode. You can also guest on it if you'd like. And you can also be a character in one of our sequels if you give us some details about yourself, if that kind of thing interests you. So yeah, please go to patreon.com forward slash beyond the boxer and support us for as much or as little as you would like to to gain access to all of that exclusive content and much much more okay well uh let's go and watch the oscars let's go watch the oscars see you on the other side bye bye <laughs>